Hey, I'm Pastor Robert. Welcome to Riverside Friends Church. We're going to be continuing our look at missions and stuff like that today. Last week, Paul talked about his short-term missionary stories in Jamaica. And if you missed that, it was good, and it's available like here on the same website that you're watching this on. <clears throat> but this week, I get to talk about our stories as long-term missionaries. My wife and I, Sarah, we flew to Cambodia in September 2016 without a return flight. We didn't know how long we'd be there, and we ended up living there for the next three years. Really enjoyed it. And so like today, I want to kind of follow up on what Paul built on. Like if Paul laid this foundation for short-term missions, I want to just build on that and expand that out to like long-term missions. So I want to talk about like missions and ministry today and kind of define those things. And I want to give some just theology on like why. Why would we fly to Cambodia, this country in Asia, in Southeast Asia, without a flight back? Um, and to do that, we're going to look at John chapter 10. <laughs> if you want to flip over to John chapter 10, like go for it. I'll read it here in a second, but let me set some context for us. At the end of John chapter 8, John rebukes the Pharisees on the Sabbath. And what happens is they pick up stones to kill him. And Jesus kind of like walks out of the temple. He just like leaves them. So Jesus walks out of the temple and John 9 begins by saying <coughs> that as he went along, he found a blind man and he heals him by spitting on the ground and taking his finger and making mud and putting it on the man's eyes. And the man goes to wash and then he can see. He goes, washes in this pool and he can see. And so the Pharisees then investigate this miracle and they approach Jesus about healing on the Sabbath. And after another fight, with the Pharisees, we get to this verses here in chapter 10. And here's what it says. <coughs> this is chapter 10, verses 1 to 5. Excuse me. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. <coughs> but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So these are verses that are not usually seen as like mission verses, right? That's not usually how we see these. But what I want to kind of look at, let's look at some imagery here and we'll kind of get into that. See, the importance of an image is that it communicates the idea to those who can understand. The importance of an image is it communicates the idea to those who can understand. And Jesus is using imagery that would have been very available to those of the time. In Israel, each family might have like their own little house or their own little like section of houses, and they would have a stone wall around this. And that house and that stone wall might be, you know, six and a half feet tall. And they'd keep a few sheep inside. And they would have a guard that sit out there all night and kind of watch the door. And then when the shepherd came by in the morning, the gate guard, he would open up the family gate and the sheep would go out to their shepherd. And so Jesus says that a robber, a robber comes and he climbs the wall, but a shepherd enters by the gate. The sheep know where to go because they've learned the voice of the shepherd. If it's a robber or something, they'll run away from him. But shepherds they would sing and they would whistle and they would have these songs and the sheep they would recognize these songs they would learn these and they would learn these songs and these whistles and then they would know who to follow when i was in college uh, my best friend brad had sheep at his house and brad 
did not like the sheep. Brad hated the sheep. Brad's job was to feed the sheep. So he'd get up early in the morning and go out before sunup, and he would feed the sheep. And the sheep are hungry, and they know it's breakfast time, and so they swarm around him. And he'd be mad because he can't actually move to feed them. They're not smart animals, so they don't leave him space to walk. They just crowd around him as he's carrying their food to where they need to take it. And so what he'd do is he'd just yell at them. He'd yell at the sheep and try to chase them off. He'd be like, feed it, get out of here. And as it turns out, sheep are really stupid animals. And so they learned that Brad yelling at them meant it was time to eat, even when he didn't have any food. If he just went out there and yelled at the sheep, they'd surround him. So any time that they were in the way, what would happen is he'd yell and more of them would show up. Like he's yelling to try to get them to go away. But what's happened, they've learned is yell. And so he'd start yelling, more sheep come. He's out there yelling, get away from me. And more keep coming because they think that means it's time to eat or something. And then they'd be following him all up and over, all over the farm. Brad and his wife, they live in the city now. I don't know why. Jesus says that his sheep have heard his voice. He says that he knows them by name and he leads them out. Like, just like Brad's sheep hear his voice and they follow him, Jesus says that his sheep will follow him wherever he goes. And this is a sermon about missions. And so let's use this imagery to define what missions is. Missions is letting God's people hear his voice and follow him wherever he might go. Jesus has called you by, my, by name. He's called you by your own name. And he's leading you out. And the word says he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And in here today are a number of things that we need to be led from. We all have our sins and our temptations. We are purveyors of porn and gluttons of groceries. We are lazy liars and goodness deniers. We are alcoholics and addicts. We are sinful and skeptics. And yet Jesus has called us by name. And he leads us out of our mess and into his message. And it's incredible, right? But it's not just that he leads us out of something. He leads us into something as well. We're going to see that he leads us into good pastures. That what he's leading us into is his own goodness. And John 10, 6 says, the Pharisees did not understand. Let's read on. John chapter 10, verse 6 to 13. Jesus used this figure of speech. But the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. <coughs> the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. We might not catch this in today's, like, in our own society today, in our culture today. But Jesus has switched the imagery. He's no longer talking about, like, in town where there's, you know, a family gate or a family wall with a house and a few sheep and the shepherd call him out. He switched it. 
he's now talking about a pen and the walls. He's not talking about it. He's moved from that to from the house in the city to the countryside. Jesus has led his sheep out into the wilderness, and he kind of runs with that meta metaphor. In the summer months, the shepherds, they would spend the night out in the wilderness with the sheep. In the winter times, they would lead them back into, into home each night, and then the shepherds would sleep in the houses. But in the summer months, it's nice. Shepherds would spend the night out in the wilderness with the sheep. And what they would do is they would construct these, these little pens for the sheep. And they would be like similar, they would be similar stone walls, you know, six and a half feet tall or so. And they would have like thorns strewn and growing on top of these walls so that no animal could jump in, right? You don't want the animals jumping the fence to get in. They put all these thorns up there. And out in the wilderness, you wouldn't have a gate or a gatekeeper. There would just be a narrow opening. And that's how the sheep would get in. And that's how the shepherd would get in. And the shepherd would lie down across the narrow opening. So he would be blocking it. So any robber or wild animal that might come in would have to go through the shepherd first. And so when Jesus says, I am the gate, what he's saying is he means that he sleeps in the doorway of the pen and he protects his sheep from anything that might harm them. He says the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand might run away, but the shepherd lays down his life. So like the shepherd goes ahead of the flock and he encounters the problems the sheep will face first. There's a, a big, strong etymological connection. Etymology is the study of like the origin of words. An etymological connection is when we relate an ancient word to a modern word. And so there's this ancient idea of being a shepherd and the modern word that we get from that is leadership. The word leadership is developed from the idea of being a shepherd, and there's an etymological connection there. Shepherds, leaders, when they are working well, they know the landscape, they lead the sheep, and they follow him, and the sheep follow him. And leaders, they encounter and face the problems ahead of the sheep. I usually don't share stories. like in. Let me give you a little inside baseball, right? Because generally when I preach, I try to share a lot of stories. Like for every point that I make, I try to share a story to go with it. That's just one of the things that I try to do and I think it's helpful. And I, if I'm gonna share a story about myself, I usually try to do it, I, I don't share a story about myself unless it paints me in a funny or in a negative light or shows my own like weakness or failures. That's what I try to do, try to like purposely do that. And it's, it's because I don't wanna be seen as like the great leader or whatever it's not about me. And so I try to like paint myself in a funny way. And I want to share. And so like when we talk about long-term ministries or missions and things like that, and I'm supposed to like share stories about some of the things that like we've done and been through, it's kind of like, oh, how do I do that well? <coughs> Excuse me. God has called us. So let, I want to share how like these ideas about leadership and being a shepherd have impacted how I view ministry. Because God has called us as a church to reach the people of Mason City who are least likely to hear the gospel. That's like, that's become my vision statement, my ethos, my whatever. Reach the people in Mason City who are least likely to hear the gospel. And for me, part of that mission is working with people in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction. 
And I'm not in recovery. I'm not an addict. I've never have been. And so what does that mean is that I'm a missionary. I'm an outsider coming into this community who doesn't, doesn't understand fully, but is willing to enter in and live alongside of. So I'm a missionary to the recovery community in Mason City. That's how I see myself. And part of that means I need to ask myself, do I know the names of the people in recovery? Jesus says a shepherd, a leader, knows the names of his sheep and he leads them out. And then I ask myself, do I, do I know those names? But not only do I know their names, do they know my voice? Do they find comfort at hearing me? Like when they think about me, are they, do they think about a pastor, a leader, somebody that they want to be around? Let's be clear, like Jesus is the good shepherd. And if anything, I'm like just one of many shepherds, if I can even call myself that. And so like when I think about the recovery community, like, do I know their names? Because Jesus says, you know, the sheep, he's called each sheep by name and he leads them out to good places and they know his voice and they follow him. And so I got to ask myself for the people that God has called us to reach, do I know their names? And do they know my voice? And if I follow the good shepherd, am I willing to lay down my own life for the sheep entrusted to me? Would I give up myself for the people that God has called us to? See, the leadership question is not how many or how big is your church? The leadership question for today that all of us must wrestle with is, will you give up your life for your people? For the people that God has entrusted to you? So if you're a father, Will it, are you willing to give up your life for your wife and for your kids? If you're a wife, are you willing to do that for your husband and for your children? Are you willing to do that? And then as you enter into like a bigger and broader community, like for me as a pastor here, I got am I willing to give up who I am for you? Or am I like a hired hand who runs away when the wolves come? So we've made that choice. Some of us have made that choice that like, hey, God has entrusted you to me and I get that, but I can't handle this right now. Then times are too difficult, so I'm going to run away. And I suppose you can ask yourself and you can judge me, right? Because here I am saying like, I'm a pastor here and I want to be the type of person who gives up myself for you. And so ask yourself, have I stuck around through the difficult times in your life or have I abandoned you to the wolves? And you can decide what kind of leader I am. I don't get to decide that like you do. So here's what I believe about ministry, right? Ministry is, here, this is a definition. Anytime you see, you, you hear the words blank is, it, that's a definition. So ministry is meeting people where they are and joining with them through life to where God wants them to be, right? Ministry is meeting people where they are, journeying with them through life to where God wants them to be. That's what the shepherd does. The shepherd leaves his house in the morning before the sun comes up. He walks down the road. He meets the sheep where they are inside of their pens and he pulls them out. The gatekeeper opens the gate and then the sheep, he goes with the sheep to where God wants them to be. He leads them out into the green pastures where they eat. And when evening comes, he stays out there. He leaves them into a little pen where he lays down in front of the door and he provides protection to them. And that's where God wants them to be protected. Here's what a couple of my favorite like missiologists, J.R. Briggs and, and Hyatt say. If we think that ministry is meeting people where they are and journeying with them together where God wants them to be, check this out. 
Ministry is not then waiting for people to come to us and then journeying with them to where God wants them to be. That's an old, inaccurate statement. That's not the way it works anymore. People aren't just coming to the church any longer so that we can journey with them. Instead, we have to go out and find them. That's how ministry and missions has always has always worked together well. This idea of ministry and missions go together because we have to go out and find those people to come and, and journey with them. And ministry is not meeting people where they are and being content with where they are. That's friendship. That's not ministry. That's friendship. And ministry is not meeting people where they are and journeying with them to where I want them to be. This is not about me because that's manipulation. That's not ministry. That's manipulation. I'm not here to manipulate you. I'm here to minister with you. Ministry is not meeting people where they are and journeying with them to where they want to be, right? Because it's not about what you want either. That's Oprah with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled in. That's Oprah with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled in. I'm not here to give you Oprah. I'm here to give you Jesus. Ministry is where we make ourselves accessible to others. We enter into their world on their terms with the hope that they encounter Jesus Christ. And with this posture, there's this healthy burden and there's this sentness. But it is God who sets the agenda, the trajectory, and the destination of people's lives and the pace at which people journey. If you're fearful when the word ministry gets brought up and you think about teaching a Sunday school or leading a small group, for one, you might have to get over yourself. And for two, this is more important. I want to challenge you. You might need to rethink what you think ministry is. Because ministry is entering into a life and journeying with them as we all grow closer to Jesus Christ day by day together. In that definition, ministry is not the work of the pastor, but the role of every believer. Move on. John chapter 10, verse 14 to 18. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. And I must bring them also. And they too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So John 10 is usually not seen as like missionary verses. And I found this interesting as I studied this out this week in preparation for this message. Jesus says that he has other sheep that are not a part of this sheep pen. Jesus is the gate that is in front of the pen. The sheep in the pen are protected by the good shepherd. But these other sheep, they're not here. They're not in the pen. They are lost. They are out in the wilderness and they are in danger. <coughs> and Jesus recognizes the gravity that some of his sheep are still out there. Some of his sheep that belong in the pen are still out there. And he says, I must bring them also. And they listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So check this out. Go with me for a moment. These lost sheep, Jesus is going to go and get them. He's going to go and get them. What will the other sheep, the sheep in the pen do while Jesus is going to get them? Are they going to stay behind in the pen? No. They will go with him. 
They follow him wherever he goes. That's what he said. They said he, they follow his voice and they go wherever the shepherd goes. They follow him. So as there are lost sheep that are still out there that belong in the pen, that are not in the pen, that have been lost, they're in the wilderness, they're on the mountainside, they're, they're being hunted by wolves, they're down in the valley, there's worry of floods sweeping them away. What's happening is Jesus says, I'm going to go to them. I'm going to get them and I'm going to bring them back. They're going to be a part of this pen. But while I'm doing that, you don't get to stay here. You got to come with me because you follow my voice and you go where I go. If they're not in the pen, we who are the sheep that know his voice will follow him out to find the lost sheep with him. See, being a missionary is first is not first about exotic places and people. It's about following Jesus. That's what missionaries, being a missionary is all about. And being a Christian's all about, and being a pastor, being a minister, being a whatever. If you're here today, I hope it's because you want to follow Jesus. I think about our own missionaries, Nick and Alicia. They're serving in a nation that would kick them out if they knew why they were actually there. They're there to teach people about Jesus Christ because God wants them as part of this flock. But if the nation that they're in found out about like why they're there, they'd kick them out in a heartbeat. They are our missionaries following Jesus as he goes after the lost sheep. And they're working with a people group of about a million people. There's about a million of these people living in this country, and 0.1% of them are Christian. That means there are about 10,000 Christians amongst a population of a million. If you want to think about it this way, if we had the same number of Christians here in Mason City, where we have about 20,000 people or so, then 200. Imagine there were only 200 Christians in the entirety of Mason City. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and I must bring them also. And they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock. We're going to take up an offering today. Our first offering goes to the church. Our second offering goes to Nick and Alicia as they go with Jesus, so that way they can go with Jesus to where he is, bringing these people to himself. That's what Nick and Lee should do. They're serving, they're following Jesus so this people group can be brought into this flock. I said that missions is like letting people hear God's voice and follow him where he might go. And that, that definition isn't quite full. It's not quite all the way there. And though, and through the course of the sermon, like we can see that we've expanded it. We have a confluence of missions and ministry that have to be understood together. We are God's people who follow him and hear his voice. We go with him as he leaves the safety of the pen and we follow him out into the dangers of the world. And Nick and Alicia know what it means to follow Jesus out of the safety of the pen and out into the wilderness. They're living it now. And we follow him because some of his sheep are missing. As a church, we have 199 seats in here. And we average about 50 people. That means that there are 149 people who have a home here, who need the safety of the barn. And yet, they don't know Jesus' voice yet. They haven't heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And so our role as leaders, as ministers, as followers of Jesus Christ, as Christians, is to go with Jesus to the people least likely to hear the gospel in Mason City and around the world. And while we are there, we will meet people on their terms and we will follow them in their lives and we will allow Jesus to speak into their lives and we'll see how he wants them to grow and how he wants them to move. 
And that's what missions is about. That's what being a long-term missionary is about. My good friend, Scott Sword was asked, he's been a missionary in Cambodia for 12 years at this point. And he was asked, it's probably been 15 years at this point. Somebody said, hey, how do you do that? How do you, how do you go to this foreign country and be with these people and live with them? Isn't that hard and difficult? And Scott said, yes, it is. But I'm just doing the same thing here. I'm doing the same thing there that you're supposed to be doing here. I'm doing the same thing there that you're supposed to be doing here. Being a missionary in Cambodia, same thing as being a, being a Christian here in the United States. It's entering into the lives of the people around you and seeing how Jesus is leading them. As I close, I want to tell you next week, next week we will have the Adhikaris with us. If you remember Steve, our intern from two summers ago, he will be staying there. Him and his family will be staying with Sarah and I starting tomorrow, Monday, and through next week, through next Monday. They're going to be in a week with us. So if you want to see Steve, if you want to meet his parents, you want to hear about them, they're missionaries as well, come back. Come back next week. I know you'll be stuffed fuller than the turkey, but waddle your way back and meet them. And as you go, like from this place this week, as you turn this, this sermon off, this minute, this podcast, this webcast, whatever, however you're watching this, as you go, I hope you go and enter into somebody's life so that they might hear the voice of Jesus and respond to him and follow him to wherever they might go. That's what this is about. Amen.